KBLA Talk 1580. We are all in LA in this election, and another candidate is joining me in the studio. So if you're on the YouTubes, you get to see her. She's a tenants' rights attorney, affordable housing activist, single mom, the daughter of undocumented Filipino immigrants, a long, a lifelong Angelino. And she wants your vote uh, to be the next council member for District 14. Born and raised in Highland Park, she went to Pasadena City College <laughs> and put herself through college at UCLA. Isabel Jurado, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Uh, it's much appreciated. Um, so tell me why. This is a fraught seat, right? This is mm. the Kevin DeLeon, disgraced uh, council member Kevin DeLeon seat. Um, it's going to be a battleground. A lot of people are running. Yep. Why do you want the job? I want it because I've just had enough of, you know, toxic leadership in this district. You know, four times over, we've, we haven't had council members serve the fullest term of, of council member in this district because of, you know, a scandal. We have a council member, Ke Kevin DeLeon, who has a shady backroom deal. Our council member before that was uh, is sentenced to prison for 13 years for fraud and embezzlement. The councilman before that moved into our district, left midterm. And then the council member before that also resigned in disgrace because of fraud and embezzlement. And that's the only history of leadership that I know. And I think we need someone who's from and for this community who's demonstrated that the genuinely care about the community from which they choose to represent and we just haven't had that this far uh you are also a former AFSCME member mm -hmm. um you know a, a union organizer but you've never held elected office right 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 so i mean there's a there's a temptation to think well i can do it better but then maybe <laughs> you get there and you really can't yeah what makes you think that you can i mean you, we, you can guarantee us that you won't Design and resign in disgrace, but <laughs> beyond that, you know, actually doing the job, what makes you think you can do it better without having the experience? Yeah, so I haven't been an elected official, it's true, but I do have the lived experience of the receiving, you know, the services in this in, in this district as, you know, a single mom that was on food stamps, daughter of undocumented immigrants, and uh, having that lived experience as a constituent, I think matters, right? And also as a professional, I'm a lawyer, right? I've defended uh, tenants against evictions during the height of the pandemic at the receiving end of these failed policies, and now as a community lawyer, helping communities buy back land so that they can keep it permanently affordable for residents or businesses and even like preserving open space because right now that's the only problem-solving solution we have to intervene in the expensiveness of living. And so I think I have the lived and professional experiences that I think are needed at this time in City Hall and not being a career politician. But, you know, going back to the brass tacks, like I used to work in City Hall as an administrative assistant to a deputy mayor who oversaw the 14 uh, customer-facing city departments. So Animal Services, Bureau of Public Works, and Department of Transportation. So I know actually the Byzantine acronym soup of City Hall and people <laughs> that are in it that I can actually get stuff done. And some of my former colleagues are heads of departments, you know, and so it's like, I do know how to navigate the building and can get some of my ideas started.
Mm. Um, we were just talking. Well, we're always talking because <laughs> we're unapologetically progressive and we're talk radio. <laughs> we were talking about people who consider themselves progressive. I, I'm yeah. assuming you do because you have the endorsements of Alnice Hernandez, Jackie mm. Goldberg, uh, Kenneth Mejia, people that we think of as or I think of as progressive. What do you say? I mean, yes, <laughs> of course. Like, I think, you know, for me, the circumstances of my life have forced me to become more radical and progressive and demand more from our government that seeks to serve us, right? And so pushing for more, like, you know, Kenneth, controller Kenneth Mejia is, you know, progressive and change what it means to be a controller. People didn't even know what that was <laughs> until he got in there. And now he's giving checks and receipts. And we're like, that's how you're spending our money? And like putting shining light on the issues that we care about, whether it's public safety, homelessness, and housing. And, you know, Councilmember Eunice Hernandez, that's my girl. We grew up on other side of like, you know, on the different sides of Highland Park. And we just saw, like, I think we were the same age. We saw gentrification take hold of our community. We've seen what public Public safety or you know does when it criminalizes people we love and we've just have been shaped in the same way um and so yeah wholeheartedly when um <laughs> okay so you know we, <laughs> we talk about this progressive block on the city council yes. and and so I'm, I'm assuming you would consider yourself to be part of that but when we look at the way forward for la mm -hmm. we are still dealing with the divisiveness and the aftermath of the Kevin DeLeon, mm. uh, Nuri Martinez, mm -hmm. Ron Herrera, um, Gil Cedillo train wreck. Yeah. What needs to be done to bounce back from that? And, and what part could you play in that? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, those tapes come up at the doors. Those tapes are coming up in other places. Um, what, but at the doors, you mean when you're door when, knocking? When you're door knocking. Okay. Yeah. You know, like if, even if people don't know who their council member is and we remind them, they're like, oh, that guy? The one that was uh, called by the president to resign and sent us a, a letter that said, I'm sorry, I've taken full accountability. I was like, yeah, that guy, <laughs> you know, that it's coming up and it's still divisive, especially in like CD 14. When you knock on the doors, it's a really diverse community. That's how I know. like I've born and raised in L.A., like multiracial, multiethnic community. That's just my life and my language. And to have people that are progressive and name only actively gerrymander districts against communities of color, black folks, other folks is really destructive. And so we're building a coalition, a multiracial coalition of folks so that we can uplift that and have like healing in this district and in LA, you know, and, you know, we have a real sincere opportunity, like progressivism maybe is conflated with multiracial, like, you know, racial equality. But I think they're too, you know, Racial equality is so important and it needs to be substantive. We need to provide communities with material change. Um, and so wanting to push that forward. I think I just rambled a bunch. but <laughs> No, I mean, well, it felt like it for you, but it, that's because you're on the radio. It, it sounded fine. But the questions of, you know, substantive change, I think substantive impacts is, is what really a, I hear a lot on the radio we, we, we we're tired of platitudes yeah so give me an example of something you would like to do that falls in that category you know like I would have like the rent increase that just went forward for rent controlled units 
after, you know, starting February 1st, uh, city council decided to raise the rent increase for rent controlled units up to 4%, right? And I just did a video because I met someone on the campaign trail, a tenant who's a senior who's making $900, who pays $600 for rent. His roommate moved out. This is just for a studio. And now it's going to be raised up to 6%, including increases with utilities. That's his his rent now is like $700. That leaves him $200 or $250 every month to, to, to live. And I'm just like, look, we, when we're still thinking about people that are recovering from COVID rent debt, increasing the rent by 4% has a material impact that's really going to set people back or like this person you know, they're going to fall into homelessness. And we don't have enough senior affordable housing or low-income transitional housing or interim housing in the city to house our, our seniors. And so I think, you know, I would have voted differently on that for sure. Hmm, interesting. Um, we're talking with Isabel Jurado, and she's running for CD14, um, the the uh, <laughs> battle for CD14. Uh, she is a contender. She wants your vote. And we'll find out more about why she deserves your vote and how she intends to get it when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. KBLA Talk 1580 is an intervention. When we come forward, includes you. KBLA Talk 1580, turning pain into power. Power. Thanks for waking up with Dominique DePrima on KBLA Talk 1580. And uh, it's election season. We are your election information station. All of these interviews are available at KBLA1580.com. There's a hub where they're all in one place and easy to find, or you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Isabel Jurado is running for Council District 14 on the Los Angeles City Council. Your website says one of the reasons that you want to run is because you know the power and cloud of the LA City Council. And it is true. I mean, it's almost like being a mayor, right? A lot of towns mm. have less than 250,000 folks. Um, so when you when you think about that clout, um, how would you like to use it? I mean, for me, it's like the whole city council in the past four years has had four council members indicted for corruption, basically. And for me, power, when it's accumulated, uh, that's what causes the corruption, right? And for me, I want to make sure that power is shared with communities. And so I'm committed to co-governance and bringing the folks that help elect me into the building, whether that means alerting them about a new sale in their neighborhood so that they can mobilize um, to buy it or provide public comment on those changes. Um, when, you know, a street vending ordinance is going to come up, um, I'm going to call in the community members that are going to be most affected by it and center them them in my policy decision making. And so, you know, for me, it's all about sharing the power and having co-governance because we just haven't had that. Mm. You know, um, LA Times is endorsing one of your opponents, mm. did not give you the endorsement, um, endorsed uh, Assembly Member Santiago, Miguel Santiago. What do you, what do you have clap back for them? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I respect the LA Times. They're going through some hard times right now and some changes. Um, you know, I think I got a great honorable mention there. So I appreciate that. But I think for me, it's like, look, LA City Council, what we 
think is experience, uh, you know, from Sacramento flying back and forth. I don't know if that's the experience that we need right now in City Hall. That experience has like shown us that something it's becoming a mold in City Council where people go to Sacramento, um, they get their quote unquote experience, they come to LA City Hall with that experience, which ends up being baggage that we and us taxpayers have to pay for because of shady backroom deals and so i'm just challenged people's perception of like what they value as experience right well yeah yeah your shout out that you're talking about it says grassroots candidate isaran <laughs> jurado a tenants rights attorney running yes. to the left of santiago mm-hmm. and they do give you they give you the progressive crown here <laughs> um is also a strong candidate they say she speaks with refreshing clarity and authenticity about the need for radical changes to city hall She wants to reduce the size of the LAPD and reallocate money towards unarmed crisis response and other community priorities. Is that correct? Yeah, that is. I mean, we spend so much just even on our helicopter program, right? $50 million. There are 14 other departments in the city that don't have money like that, like their overall budget. And we're heading into a deficit, right? Where we're willing, we're going to cut jobs from other departments, but we haven't because they're vacant. And we haven't cut jobs in the LAPD because they're vacant, right? And and we're going to not have tree trimming. And like tree trimming right now, I think it's already 12 years to get your tree trimmed. Council districts can only repave two alleys a year and streets get repaired in a seven-year interval. And with this rain, we're going to need a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> here come the potholes. Right. Um, they also say that you want to repeal the city's law banning camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 4118. I'm totally against that. You can't just sweep people up into housing that doesn't exist. And it only ends up being like they go from one corner to another and criminalizing homelessness doesn't solve homelessness it actually makes it worse because you're usually sweeping up their driver's license um, material like legal papers that they may need in order to get properly housed and there was just an article the other day about how we're spending so much on narcan and actually when we conduct those sweeps we're sweeping up all the narcan that we're spending money for and so folks in skid row are actually like stapling bags of Narcan to trees so that they won't get swept up and will actually be available. Wow. So what do you do? Because, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. but there, there's uh, there's kids. I mean, you're a mama, right? Yeah, I am. There's people bringing kids to school, kids mm-hmm. trying to play in neighborhoods and parks, um, folks just wanting to walk down the street and go shopping, and yeah. the entire community has turned into a... an encampment. What? How do you protect those folks, working-class folks who also have a right to enjoy... You yeah. know, safety and, and just life. Yeah, no, I I totally hear that. You know, I do worry about my daughter when we're walking on the streets or if she goes alone. Um, and so I, I really... I really feel for them. Um, but it's like, you know, we have the money to make investments in homelessness. And we, we've put a lot of money towards it, actually. But if you even look at council districts like um, Council Member Soto Martinez, he has seven interim housing he- sites in his district. And he's only been there for, what, two years, I think, or almost, almost a full term? That's something like that. Yeah, yeah. right. And uh, Councilmember De Leon only has two interim housing sites, and he's been there for a full term. And I think, you know, we need to be investing more in that. And he has discretionary funds of $1.5 million that we could be putting towards those goals to make sure we can have some kind of housing available for these unhoused folks. Um, the, you know... Th- 
the city council just voted to sort of decriminalize i guess street vending like now you mm. can you you know there were certain zones you you're not allowed to do street vending at mm-hmm. and they unanimously voted on that i kind of you know not that it matters what i think but i have mixed <laughs> feelings about it cuz yeah. i'm thinking about brick and mortar businesses that have been there forever i'm thinking about people selling hot dogs on on cookie sheets everywhere you know i don't know i i hope i'm not turning more conservative <laughs> what do you, what do you think about that I mean, for I think it's like they decriminalized street vending and then they authorized it uh, in different commercial, I guess, like commercial zones. Right. You know, which to me, it's like, oh, it, that just sounds like zoning, um, right. which we are, we obviously all accept. But I think it's like folks, it's a response to pathways, limited pathways to economic self-determination that street vending is our point of entry for a lot of folks. So mm, okay, so <laughs> I mean, so I'm is drug dealing. I'm, but I'm, you know, I mean, that's, that's a point of entry for some folks. <laughs> well, that's why we had to give them up for other opportunities. Like every time at a, at a union interview, I'm asking them, "Why aren't you in high schools already?" Like the mm. carpet, like wood mm-hmm. shop classes with carpenters. When you tell this kid that you can make money and you're going to have a job. Once they get started on that, they're not going to, like, I thought working at the mall because I made money was going to be my job for the rest of the life. That's because I was like, I don't have to rely on my parents. I can make money by myself. I'm just going to do this and leave the house. And then, you know, eventually hit your ceiling on that one. For, and you at become least for a me. lawyer, right? <laughs> Advocate for people, right? right. <laughs> a public interest one. So <laughs> not, not that the, yeah, my parents were upset. Really? <laughs> oh, they, yeah, they want you to be a corporate lawyer. Yeah, they were like, how come you're, your paycheck has very little zeros. <laughs> yeah. well, why did you choose that? I mean, I chose to do it based on my lived experiences. It was like me trying to resolve the problems I saw my family face and mm. wanting to fix it. Like my dad was undocumented. He was telling me his issues of wage theft when he was unemployed from 2008. And I was like going commuting to school. So we actually hung out a lot during that time. And he was like regaling me with all these stories. And so that's why I went into uh, defending workers against wage theft. And then I switched to like, what does economic racial justice look like? People are oppressed at work, but they're also oppressed in their neighborhoods. How does that manifest? Manifest in like rent increases for small businesses and for renters. And thinking like, look, if a senior doesn't have their local ethnic grocery store anymore, even if they're a rent controlled unit, they're going to have to take the bus to go somewhere else just to do that. Or if the, I mean, look, the McDonald's is a meeting place for a lot of people (laughs) in a neighborhood and they Mm -hmm, get their gossip. mm -hmm. And if it's not there, then they're losing their community, you know? And so that's why I got into that work because of, you know, gentrification I saw. And when we, I mean, in the, in the context of city council, council members do have some power mm. over what developments go forward, as we found out with Jose Huizar, yeah. et cetera. What can be done to stem gentrification, but still mm. bolster, you know, the good side of change and development? Yeah, yeah definitely. Look, I am for development, <laughs> but I am for development without displacement, right? Making sure that historic, like communities that have been historically, um, you know, been 
you know, predated on by corporate interests will actually have a chance at self-determination. And so one of the policies that I'm a big fan of is the Tenant Opportunity Purchase Act or Community Opportunity Purchase Act, which is in D.C., it's in Detroit, it's in San Jose, I think it's in Berkeley. And it's basically allows communities to intervene in, in the development process. Like the sale of the building is the site where displacement happens the most, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Barrington Plaza. It's like 500 units, 500 tenants or families. And so, you know, the Tenant Opportunity Purchase Act allows tenants to um, buy, have the right of first offer to buy their building or a community org, like a nonprofit, like a community land trust. I know there's Liberty out here would be able to buy, like do the first offer. It's not a guarantee that they're going to be able to buy it, but it allows them to shape the conversation of like, what are the community's needs and wants? Because right now people just buy and sell without that conversation Mm. happening or it happens at the end, right? Okay. Time flies when you're on the radio. Your pitch. (laughs) Why should we vote for Isabel Jurado for uh, District 14 City Council? Um, you know, I am from and for this community. I'm daughter of undocumented immigrants, single mom. I've been through it and I've been fighting for this community in my career at the front lines of the housing and homelessness crisis. And we need a new voice on city council, someone who's not beholden to corporate interest and a progressive in name only and, you know, a true grassroots champion willing to push the radical agendas in council as much as we can. Mm, that was quick. Um, <laughs> uh, Isabel Jurado dot LA is that? Yes, it's uh, with a Y Y S A B E L Jurado with a J J U R A D O Isabel Jurado dot LA mm-hmm. um, and social media. Oh, Isabel Jurado LA. On all platforms. (laughs) Isabel Jurado, LA. Keep it consistent. um, And we can find out more about what you're doing in your campaign there as well. Thank you so much for coming in and talking with us this morning. Thank you. It's much appreciated. Uh, We got one more candidate for you today. He's running for Assembly uh, District 57. That's next on KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominic DePrima when we come forward.